Hello, everyone. It is Wednesday, Wellness Wednesday. Welcome to the Chronically Driven radio show and podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Sova, and I'm once again happy to be here with you to explore topics and have a conversation all within the realm of health and wellness. Today, I am bringing you two segments. First up, I had the pleasure of being on the Cure Chronic podcast with host extraordinaire Becky Gale in recognition of Arthritis Awareness Month that has just wrapped up. And then I had prepared a segment for you a while back that I somehow missed adding to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And that is what I'll be sharing with you today. If you've heard of the spoon theory, you'll want to listen to that. And if you're like, what the heck is a spoon theory? Well, stay tuned and you will find out. Before we get going, I wanted to share some thoughts on the recurring theme of taking care of our health, mind, body, and spirit, and how important it is to remember just how much these go hand in hand. We can feel it. There is a rising concern in our communities at the moment on the mental and emotional health for us humans. And rightly so. If you are to catch a newscast of any kind these days, there is so much intensity that it can be both hard to listen to and hard to ignore. If you are one of the individuals that like to go a little deeper, and look into the world at large from a wider, more global lens, it too can be equally concerning, if not more. So what do we do? How do we maintain an outlook of wellness in a time where we are being inundated with a narrative of sickness? I think we do so by recognizing that nothing has changed with regards to our responsibility to be in the driver's seat when it comes to our wellness, our well-being, our life. But it may be hard to hold on to during these challenging times. Are there hurdles out there? You bet. There always will be. Now and always, there will be different threats to our health and well-being. Coming back to the mind-body-spirit connection, I believe that what and where we put our attention matters. You've heard me say many times on this show that we are powerful individuals when it comes to how we think and feel about ourselves and the impact that has, not just for ourselves, but for others. While I am not denying there is a lot of doom and gloom and horrible things going on, I will also state there are a lot of other things to talk about, to think about, and to focus on. If we stop talking about wellness and only talk about sickness, it is not a good outcome for anyone. Today on the program, we are going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that is living well, striving for ongoing and reoccurring health and wellness, chronic wellness. Welcome to the show. I am so glad you're here. This is Chronically Driven. First up here now is my conversation with Becky Gale. 
All right. So welcome back, Sandra. You know, I'm so excited to have you on the show. We've had you here a couple of times before and you and I just connect on a whole other level. I love it so much, but I really, really, really want to talk to you today about your, you were actually featured on the front cover of the Arthritis Research Canada magazine. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You know, like how was your experience with that? What, you know, what, what's your story? Yeah. Oh, well, first of all, Becky, thank you so much for having, having me back on the, on the podcast and particularly in the month of September, which as you mentioned is arthritis awareness month. And I love how you're giving the opportunity and the platform to help, to help feature on that. So yeah, I was, uh, I'm a, I'm a cover girl this month. I've got the uh, um, Arthritis Research Canada is an organization that does, of, of course, the leading arthritis research in not only Canada, but I would say North, North America. And I've been doing a volunteer project working with them for the past year on something called arthritis wellness conversations. And it's something I'm really, I'm really proud of. And it actually came about from... March of 2020. Remember back then? Remember before yeah. March of 2020, Becky? It was a different, uh, <laughs> we were doing different things and um, it was a different the, world back then. It was a different, it was a different <laughs> world. And so I had been, um, I had been approached by, um, from Arthritis Research Canada to be a speaker at their, at their annual gala in something called the Grateful Patient. And so I was so excited about this. I was going to be able to go, go to Vancouver. It was going to take place in May of 2020. Well, that didn't happen. And when I was preparing for being that grateful mm -hmm. patient and in combination with it's their, it's their gala, it's their fundraiser. And mm -hmm. I thought arthritis research is so important and it touches me personally that I wanted to do a really good job. And so I was preparing for that. And then I had, so I had all this enthusiasm and nothing to do with it. So I reached out and I said, maybe there's something else that we could do. And we started talking about sensing for the, the need for community when mm -hmm. everything started happening. And I mean, even in the chronic illness community, how sad is this? But our socialization is sometimes going to medical appointments or yep. therapy. Yeah. Or yeah. going, you know, going out and doing our daily exercise or doing all this kind of stuff, forget about, you know, all the, all the other things. So when people that live with chronic illness become even more isolated and that sense of community is gone, we, we identified that as a bit of a, a bit of a risk and that we wanted to do something about. So Arthritis Research mm -hmm. Canada has something that's called the Arthritis Patient Advisory Board, and it is made up of individuals that are living with one of the 100 or types of arthritis. Did you know there were that many? Wow, it's just, crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? So, so, mm -hmm. so the panel is made up of individuals that are living with arthritis. What we designed, what we created was these arthritis wellness conversations where we get together on Zoom of all places, where we would pick a topic each month about living well with arthritis or the challenges or navigating through um, telehealth. What is, why would someone with arthritis want to pay attention to their body weight? What kind of, let's look at exercise and technology. And so each, each month we get together with the panel and a research scientist from Arthritis Research Canada. And it's become really cool. It's like people get to hang out and listen in on conversations 
about about living well with arthritis. So through that and mm-hmm. having done that, we've done, there's 12 episodes of those right now that are available there. You can find them on the arthritis research, arthritisresearch.ca website is where they all live. And then in the fall, they do a news newsletter and they reached out to me and asked if I would like to be featured. And I was really, I was, I was really honored to do that. And so this is a podcast, but on a video version there, great, great big there. It's, there's, there's my, there's my face. I'm the, I'm the cover girl of making arthritis research a priority and then featured with a whole segment inside. And what I liked about this is it allowed me to share my story, which is, yes, I'm someone who's living with arthritis. I've had it since I was eight years old. So that's a good long time. But my passion and where my advocacy lies is always in living well with arthritis. There are so many voices out there that talk about sort of like educating about the disease itself or the, Mm -hmm. um, the challenges or frustrations. And Mm -hmm. I enjoy that content. I need that content. I find it, um, I find it good as well, but I'm going to leave that to the, to, there's so many other creators out there. What I do, what I create day in the life, how do I manage to navigate and live a really thriving life and yeah with arthritis absolutely absolutely and you know i think that there's so many different it's like what you say it's there's so many different articles that talks about the what the disease is what how what you can expect from it that kind of thing but there's nowhere that it says okay well here you have the disease well how can you live a healthy life with the disease because at the end of the day when we get a diagnosis most of the time with a chronic disease it is with you for your entire life so how can we live well with it for our lifetime and we're talking in context with myself about arthritis But Mm -hmm. I really think that a lot of this stuff of living well with a chronic condition across the board for just about any Mm -hmm. chronic condition, autoimmune disorders, I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of how we are, how we treat and manage the disease kind of comes in from the medical side, from our our doctors, our physios, sometimes our surgeons, Mm -hmm. but outside of those appointments, every other waking moment of the day, self-management. It's, it's yeah. up to us. And mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I, I mean, I, you, you and I always have so many common bonds um, that we relate to the same things. You're like, I always think of your cold showers. You're doing <laughs> things like it, that's not, and that wasn't yeah. prescribed for you by, by, you mm-hmm. know, as this is how you have, you handle this, the, mm-hmm. the things like the mind, the mindfulness and, mm-hmm. and meditation and doing all that kind of stuff. What I find so encouraging is that bit by bit, that's also starting to move into what's referred mainstream or conventional medicine. So that's why I think voices like ours are, are so important, hearing, hearing patients' voices. There's people that can, can help guide us and teach us. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think especially, you know, for you, you're such a advocate for arthritis and doing the different podcasts and the different uh, talks, if you will, with other people with arthritis, Mm -hmm. we learn so much from other patients, I think. Totally. No. Yeah. The amount of stuff that I've learned from, for example, the reason I have cold showers is because of the fact that somebody else with my, my specific disease told me about it. 
you know, I wouldn't be having cold showers if nobody, okay, this is, this is proven to like reduce inflammation kind of thing. I'm not just going to just have cold showers to have cold showers sort of thing. So, you know, it's like you say, we're there to advocate for ourselves. We're there to learn more about how we can heal our bodies Mm -hmm. outside of the medications and outside of those doctor visits, as you say, but also it's such a great way to connect with other people that have the disease that, that could use something that we've done in the past, something that works for us because, you know, they don't, especially, especially newly diagnosed individuals. And Mm -hmm. as you say, with arthritis specifically, if you're a newly diagnosed person with arthritis, well, number one, and you have to figure out out of those a hundred different uh, arthritis is, if you will, which one is that? And how are you going to heal yourself from that? And okay. Medications are fantastic, but medications oftentimes take time to start working. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we have to go through trial medication after trial medication in order to figure out, okay, this is the one that works the best for my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. It, and there's so many, and, and often it, it keeps changing, right? Mm-hmm. A chronic, a chronic condition, a chronic illness, is, I mean, if it was always really stable, well, that's almost like something called remission. Wouldn't we love that? But it's always a journey. (laughs) It's always ups and downs and all of this. And I think part of what um, advocacy and, and um, podcasts and different, um, different things that, that we, we can do, it helps to give that, that support out there for others so that they don't have to try and navigate it all on their own so that like like you said that we can we can learn from each other and I also think mm-hmm. there's a real component of mental health and mental wellness that I think if I just I I feel that it's so important to have a way and there's lots of different ways but to find that you're also taking care of your mental and emotional wellness mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're not I, my belief system is that you're never going to achieve wellness if you if you mm-hmm. don't address your whether it's like you know your, your stress or just your 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 mental wellness it's part of the whole package absolutely and I think that's why things like this hearing from other other people with mm-hmm. stories like the storytelling yeah. that's mm-hmm. one of the things that is so is so great about the cure chronic podcast because that's what you've done you've allowed people to come in and share their stories and we need to hear from each other we need to hear those stories mm-hmm. absolutely yeah well and it and it gives us a different way to almost connect with other people you know when we hear a podcast mm-hmm. and we hear a story and we can say oh my gosh I'm literally living that I need to reach out to this person but you're so right in regards to the whole mental wellness thing too because I think that unfortunately there's still a stigma behind mental health and mental wellness mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, and for all of us with chronic illness and regardless of what chronic illness it is, you know, we will experience some type of mental, whatever you want to call it, because it's hard living in chronic pain. It's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you and I have talked about my experience with arthritis before. It's really hard waking up and you don't have the, capa- the capacity to walk, for example. Yep. And so what happens with your mental health? Well, it diminishes. And so when we have the ability to connect with other people, talk about what we're experiencing, you know, really get out there and say, you know, this sucks but I'm, I'm going to be okay because I know that there's a community out there of people that actually want to help me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, um, all of those, all of those things, I really, um, agree a hundred percent. 
And then I'll also add an additional layer to that. Mm-hmm. Not having proper supports and outlets for our mental mm-hmm. health can cause mm-hmm. us to flare. Yes. That's been yeah. my experience totally. throughout the years. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's the, it's the wisdom and, yeah. you know, and the, and the same, same with big fluctuations in weather. Well, if it's big fluctuations yeah. <laughs> in drama here or tension there, and if yes. it's a, yes. I, I can't, you know, you can't eradicate those from, from the earth, but what we can do is this is, this is our, you know, our, our, our temple, our, our, our own, I like to think of our bodies sometimes as like we're our, our own ecosystem and things have mm-hmm. to be, have to be in balance, have to be in check. Yes. And when it's not, that's when, again, just speaking for me personally, that's when I, I know I'm, I'm going to be heading for heading for a flare if I don't have some way to deal with all that stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, what do they say? It's the connection between the body, mind, and spirit, right? If yeah. there's some type of disconnect between anything, anywhere, that's when serious problems happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the more holistic um, looking at everything is one of the things that, like I said, bit by bit, I think healthcare is moving towards that. And that's one of the things that I'm learning from doing the arthritis wellness conversations, because on any given topic, whatever research scientist is on, on the panel, they're usually sharing with us something new that they're doing. And when typically, I think when we think of medical research, whether it's arthritis research, cancer research, Crohn's research, all of that, a lot of that tends to think about looking at how do we address the, the, the condition that's going on in the body. What can we do to balance the levels, alleviate this, alleviate that? All of that's really important. But what excites me is part of the research that's being done now is also with how can we provide technology to link it up with things like physical fitness trackers? How can we, um, what sort of a difference does something like cannabis make for someone who is living with a, with a chronic condition. What about exercise programs? And I heard it used to be when people would come in presenting with um, challenges with low mood on the initial mm-hmm. stages that now one of the very first things prescribed is physical activity and exercise by mm-hmm. the actual like medical doctors, which is fantastic because before yeah. That really wouldn't be it. They would tell someone, and that's and here's the switch that the panel started talking about. Doctors have always in the medical community, we've heard that it's important, maybe you should lose weight, but we don't tell we don't support and tell them how. We don't yeah, hand yeah, we, we don't hand them a game plan. We don't hook them mm-hmm. into resources. How easy would it be? Oh, here's some really great um, at home seated in a chair stretches or exercises that you can do and start with instead of shaming someone that it's your weight and you should lose weight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. support them with tools and ways to get them to embrace those sorts of those sorts of ideas so Mm -hmm. and it's never all only one thing like we need all of this we need we need um we absolutely need our our, our doctors and our, and our nurses and our, um, all of our, our medical professionals, but we need, we need us. We should be the ones at the, um, in, in the driver's seat, I believe always. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I 100% agree with you. And I definitely agree with you in a sense that, you know, 
there is such a disconnect and it, and it's maybe starting to kind of have that little connection between the more holistic, the more, mm-hmm. the non-medical side with as pres- like basically being prescribed with the medication as well. I mean, I remember when I was first diagnosed with Crohn's, this is kind of sidebar here, but nobody told me how to eat, right. You know, it's a digestive problem. <laughs> of course, I'm going to have to change up my diet and that kind of thing. But I was, you literally are fend, you like, you get fend, you have to fend for yourself basically. And so hopefully now, especially with more people advocating, more people talking about disease, more people, you know, doing these, talking about their stories and that sort of thing, there will be more of a connection between that holistic side and the medic medical side as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about exercise. And I know we've talked about this before, Sandra, but you know, exercise for you with your arthritis is one of the top things that really helps you. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about like the top three things that you could basically recommend for anybody who's living with arthritis right now? Yeah. I mean, the, uh, exercise is for sure such an important one and it's kind of, it's really, really important for how it's evolved with me. I mentioned mm-hmm. that I've, I, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis when I was eight years old. And so everything now when I'm having, it's like everything, oh yeah, when I was seven, <laughs> when I'm playful, playful, yeah, happy girl when I was seven and trying to um, get, uh, get more of that back. But along the way, that meant, and also with, with um, the arthritis was in my knees. So that mm-hmm. means even things like walking or standing, let alone playing, I wasn't an active child. I received an exemption from PE class because, well, that was only fair because I, I really, I couldn't participate in that way. Along the years, I then, I just became heavier and heavier. And mm-hmm. for, um, for until three years ago, I was... I, I was very overweight. I, and I would give myself, and I had the li- limiting belief that because I had arthritis, right. I couldn't exercise. Well, how could, well, first of all, it hurt. And second of all, who has time for that? I was so busy between going to work and taking the meds and trying to, you know, get caught up to go and do it all again the next day. I didn't mm-hmm. have time to put that into my, into my lifestyle. I don't like exercise. And, um, <laughs> it was, it hurt. So I, I gave myself the pass and I truly believed that I would even, I even remember conversations from someone at work from 25 years ago talking about, Oh, you, and they said they parroted back to me. I guess I must've said it sometime. Oh, Sandra, Sandra can't exercise because she's got arthritis or something like that. And so anyway, I bought, I bought into that. It was very heavy part of, again, shout out, yay, arthritis research, Canada, before I started doing those conversations, um, some with my radio show, I would have a couple of them, uh, a couple of them, sorry, a couple of the um, research, the, the uh, esteemed research scientists from Arthritis Research Canada come on the a radio show program. And this was back in the day when we would actually go to the studio and, and sit across, uh, across from the mic. And it was Dr. Deanne Lakai, who is now the director of Arthritis Research Canada and was my former rheumatologist. And she was talking about, we were talking about the seriousness of the other complications other than just the joint involvement, but having ongoing inflammation in the body, how that is such a strain on your heart. And then she started talking about having excess weight and how that again is a a strain. And then she said the words that tied it all together, that being inactive and carrying a lot of excess weight for specifically for someone 
with inflammatory arthritis, they are going to have a reduced life expectancy. That, that really, that really hit home. And I'm, I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, I have a health and wellness radio show. I am not hearing this, this just anecdotally. This is really important. And it was my wake up call. It was like, I'm going to do something about this. Not only do I feel motivated to kind of walk the walk of, of what I'm, what I'm talking about all the time, but it became so vitally important because life expectancy and all of these things. And so I couldn't control the fact that I had arthritis. I can try and control the level of activity, but I can't control that. But what can I control? I can control my output and what I, what I do. So that was, it'll be coming up four years this November. I started out um, um, pursuing physical fitness and I started going to work out in a gym every second day. And I've kept that up consistently for the be um, four years in November where I have embraced fitness. So I'm healthier, I'm stronger. I've, I, and, and I added in the keto diet for which yes. is also good at reducing inflammation. I could, uh, I could go on and on about that, but that is mm -hmm. because someone carrying along a lot of that excess um, fat in my body for so many years, keto was, it was really yeah. worked well with me to get that, get that extra weight off. And then the fitness and that activity helps me maintain it. And so that is, um, so that is exercise. It has been a game changer and it supports, awesome. it supports the arth my arthritis. Again, learning that putting um, weight bearing exercises on our joints in a way that does not hurt. That is um, um, something that we can do is helps to push that synovial fluid through those joints, helps to keep them healthier. It's almost like gives them their, their, their not um, so they sort of don't atrophy. We need that movement. We need that sort of activity. So anyone who thinks that they cannot do, do exercising because of arthritis, find something you, that you can do. You can reach out to a physiotherapist. You can talk to have this conversation with in your doctor's office, find out what it is that you can find ways that you can be active to support a level of fitness. And for a lot of people, that's water exercise. Not me. I am not, I going into a pool and can't go into the ocean that often. That's not for me. So, but you know, finding something num number one, my second, the, my second um, biggest tip, that was a long tip, by the way. Um, the second, <laughs> okay. the second one, one is to, is, is, is self-awareness and self-management of knowing that you can, um, you can control a lot of things. There's lots of things that aren't into your control, but being really tuning in and being aware. I, so many times before when I, when I was working, I would ignore the signs that I knew were coming up that I would be going, pushing into a flare. I knew that it was going down this path. And then you ignore, you ignore until all of a sudden, boom, mm -hmm. you hit a wall and it takes sometimes months, if not years to get back. And I would get so, oh, so frustrated. Yeah. So listen to and understand your body. But mm -hmm. the key point, take care of yourself, self-care. You yeah. need to sometimes take your foot off that freaking gas pedal. I didn't do, mm -hmm. I didn't learn that lesson until many, until really basically recently, eight, seven years ago. But 
when we listen to our body and we can pick up on those signs, when we know things are getting a little off track, we're starting to get run down. We're starting to, and, and then being, making yourself the priority self-care and self-love. If you do not do that, if you think taking time off, if you feel guilty or bad for having to say no to that obligation, if you're just going through and pushing through things, when you know that it's uh, that that's not going to serve, serve you well in the long run. Mm -hmm. And if you think that you're give, give, give for the, the family, the boss, the what, whatever it is. Yeah. You may be really important and needed, but you're think of what's going to happen when you go into a flare and you, you work yourself into, into a state where you can't. So you're, so you're going to be, you're going to be exercising and you're going to be listening to your body and allowing that self-care because until I did that, I was really just, it's almost like a pinball machine Ooh, over here. What's next over here. And then, then the, then the other, the other um, piece about that is really get get informed and educated mm -hmm. about your condition. Um, yeah. Don't, don't think. And also, cause it's always changing a diagnosis yeah. on at one point of time can change a lot from from weeks to months and, and over years and chronic conditions are, are chronic because they're ongoing and constantly reoccurring and this is something learning to live well with your with your chronic condition learning a, as much as you can about well what about the nutritional component mm -hmm. okay I didn't hear about it in my rheumatologist's office or my specialist's office well that's okay that's not really their scope but it doesn't mean that it's it's not super important and it doesn't mean that it's not going to have an have an impact what can you do to find out what is happening for um, other, maybe there are some areas of research or study that you can help mm -hmm. participate in to give the patient perspective, patients perspectives of what it actually is to live, to live with our conditions, but primarily to live well with them. Our voices need to be heard. And so when you kind of put that, I, I really, I mean, sometimes I, I, I sound a little, a little fiery about it, but it's because I feel so strongly that we yeah. need to, we need to, I'd really like to support getting a diagnosis like, like, like arthritis or Crohn's or any chronic condition. That's, that's not, that's tough. And so, you know, you, you don't know what's going to be coming. Um, you can get um, fearful for hearing, mm -hmm. you know, prognosis or expectations and going through different stages of loss or grief or mourning for what was and what different. So having to navigate through all of, all of that is, um, it can be scary. So reaching out and finding different, different ways and learning, learning all you can, I yeah. think is, I mean, that's kind of, and, and I say this now that wasn't, that wasn't around when I was, you know, learning to navigate this or, you know, even through my twenties and thirties, like the amount of information that's, that's available now, it's just like, leaps and bounds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I feel like as medical technology continues to advance, so does the education. And that was probably like you hit the nail on the head, if you will. But, you know, that was one of the things that helped me the most is when I started researching my disease and I started yeah. learning about the different ways that I can heal myself so that I could live well with the disease sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not, that's what we, that's what we want. I mean, there's going to be, um, I never try to sugarcoat it. There's good days and, and no. bad days, but um, <laughs> yeah. even on a bad day, you can still find ways to, 
to make to make that to make that work and so much of it for me yeah. also is a mental game right it's an attitude attitude and um just limiting beliefs and mindset and, and mm-hmm. that sometimes takes a lot of you know, it takes work you might have to attend some webinars you might have to read some books you might have to reach out for some you know for some some counseling or some professional help Mm -hmm. but it's you're you're worth it you are you're worth to feel um as best as best you can and to be and to be supported in your in your community to do so yeah absolutely and the other thing too, I think that we all deal with, with a, a diagnosis like that, for example, is we, we go through the stages of grief. Um, and we've talked about this before, but yeah. it's, it's having the capacity, like you say, in order to change your mindset, to understand that this isn't a life sentence. It's just a, a different part of you. It's not, you're not the victim. It's just something that we all need to learn to live with, um, and to live well with it. Like you say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, um, and you, and you'll have, uh, just like any, anything else, you'll have times mm-hmm. when, um, mm-hmm. maybe it is really, really hard to deal with. And you do reach, um, points where, uh, those are where it's challenging, but it's just don't, uh, try not to stay, to stay yeah. s- stuck in that place. Um, because it can, there's, you know, there's always, always different things and, and everyone's got to find, find their, find their own sort of combination of what works for them i'm a really really big fan of having a really good strong morning routine like a morning practice of whatever that is and i think you and i kind of have except i'm not doing those icy cold showers girl but uh (laughs) i you know just things things like um you know like like journaling or taking taking time i like to take time to look what be centered and kind of set intentions for the day for myself before the world starts coming, coming at you and all the different, different varieties. And I think that's one of the, that's another way I I've mentioned this a couple of times. What is it? um, Something that we can control because with having a chronic illness, that's one of the things that is sometimes challenging is that these things we can't predict what kind of, how it's going to be from one day, one day to the next, we can't necessarily know, you know, you know, what, uh, how, how we're going to be feeling. So instead of wait, just starting, starting the day and like, oh, it's going to be another hard and heavy day or, oh, where are the aches and pains today? Just really f- what works, what works for me is to be, um, to have my mornings to be, they're very sacred to me. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, to have that, that just sort of that, that, that quiet, uh, that quiet reflection and doing it on, on a regular, on a regular basis. And, and then I like to go and do exercise. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I, I just started a new morning routine and, and honestly, like my days are so much more productive because of it. And I just feel so focused and have so much more clarity because of doing these morning routines. And I'm just like, why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> so I get it. I get it. hundred yeah. percent. And it's structured. It's something we can, yeah. we can be in control of. We can say, okay, yeah. so for this part of the part of the day, I, I do these, these self-care rituals or I check in with myself and that whatever happens after that, you know, you, you can, you can start with, uh, with, with having that. So. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Sandra, I just want to thank you so much for, you know, coming back on the show again and telling more of your story and being such a big advocate for people with arthritis. And I know that this is a huge month for awareness for arthritis Mm -hmm. and you have one heck of a story living with arthritis since you were eight years old kind of thing. 
Welcome back. You are listening to the Chronically Driven radio show and podcast on the airways of CHLY 1017 in Nanaimo, British Columbia, and everywhere else in the world, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This next segment at its core is about mindset and overcoming versus giving into limiting beliefs. It's a bit of a parable of sorts, a story that paints a picture and helps to teach a concept. Here now are the spoon and pedal theories. If you're in the chronic illness community, you may have heard of the spoon theory. It's actually a very well done piece by a woman named Christine Miserandino. It describes the debilitating fatigue that can come with an autoimmune condition. It has gained popularity and many in the chronic illness community refer to themselves as spoonies. The theory and the claiming of the term spoonie is utilized to build communities for those with chronic illness so they can support each other. As a metaphor, the spoon theory is used to describe the amount of mental or physical energy a person has available for daily activities and tasks. The spoon theory came to be in 2011 when, while out having a meal with a friend, Christine had the opportunity to explain what she experiences with lupus. And it was a way for her to help her friend gain more understanding for when she was unable to participate in activities after work or sometimes had to cancel plans without any notice. As a way to provide both a visual and a physical example, Christine began to gather up all the spoons from their table and all the surrounding tables in the diner. In total, she collected 12 spoons. She handed the bouquet of spoons to her friend and said, there, now you have lupus. And these spoons represent all of the mental and physical energy you have available for the day. Once your spoons are gone, that's it. There's no more available until the next day. She further went on to describe how this makes it important to budget all of your tasks and your time and your energy. And that throughout the day, each task required and used up spoons. Getting up and brushing your teeth, for example, will cost you a spoon. Showering, dealing with your hair, getting dressed, that's another spoon. Depending on what you are faced with during your day, you may or may not have any spoons left when it comes to dinner time. You may be physically and mentally spent, and it's really hard to function. It was a way for her to describe a day in her life. I can relate to this. I can relate to this concept of the spoon theory, especially during times when my arthritis activity is active and always if I'm having a flare accepting and then learning how to manage the lack of energy is a really important thing to learn as part of how to live well with a chronic illness. The fatigue and the lack of spoons, it's real. I think it's a great introductory piece to the newly 
diagnosed to talk about what they may experience and as a teaching piece to let them know that it's important to manage their energy levels. And it's a way to describe the fatigue for someone who you're trying to communicate what your life is like with, whether that be a friend, a family member, or a colleague. It's also, it's, it's effective when communicating on social media, when a person is struggling, a way to cut to the chase and say they're out of spoons. Everybody knows what they mean. And for those in the online community to send extra spoons as a way of saying, I understand you, I support you. I, however, have a new metaphor to add to the mix, to bring to the table in the diner and to have us consider it along with the spoon theory. Introducing the petal theory. Instead of gathering up forks around the diner, you collect all the bud vases, and in each bud vase is a single daisy. We learn then with the petal theory that each daisy and all of its petals represent all of the things that can replenish us and give us more energy and basically refuel our tank. At the start of each day, we have one daisy. Unlike the spoon theory, when once you've used all your spoons, that's it until the next day, with the petal theory, the flowers are almost like magic wands and they are renewable. Okay, this might be sounding a little bit weird, but please stay, stay with me for a moment. I'm, I'm, I'm going to paint the picture. With the petal theory, we can do things to replenish our mind, body, and soul to gain back some of those spoons, some of that energy. During just about every arthritis wellness conversation, the topic of what we can do as individuals to gain energy has come up as well, of course, as the topic of that debilitating fatigue. In fact, there is a terrific episode on living with and managing fatigue when you have a chronic illness like arthritis, and I will link that up in the show notes. It is so true that the fatigue and energy drain with something like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis is real. And it is so much different than just simply being tired from lack of sleep or a hard day's work. It is real, but there are ways to help set us up for success. There are ways to replenish. Many, many times on this show, we've had conversations on the value, importance, and the power of our mindset, our self-talk, intention setting, manifestation, things that are known to make a positive impact on our well-being and also can have a negative impact. There's also lifestyle things like meditation, physical exercise, meaningful ways we can apply self-care throughout the day to actually help us recharge and replenish. Not to 100%. This isn't taking away the situations that we're dealing with. That's not what I'm suggesting, but some improvement would be okay, right? While I appreciate the spoon theory as a way to relate during the tough times, as a way to ask for support or show support, however, as a mantra, as the way you identify, 
oh, I, I just can't. If what you believe in is that your energy is limited, it's going to run out, every day is hard, and there is nothing, literally nothing you can do to change that. What are the chances you'll experience anything different? You're not even expecting to. You're setting up the expectation that that's, that's it. You've, you've got these spoons. I know, of course, that there are levels of severity with all conditions and that someone can be so severely ill and be in a health crisis where this does not apply. But for the majority of individuals with a chronic condition, this is just not the case. There really is things that we can do. And if we identify so strongly with an illness and promoting a belief structure that that's just the way it is and there's nothing we can do, it really is a self-defeating prophecy, a limiting belief. So let's acknowledge the spoon theory and let's use it to describe the fatigue piece. But then let's also pick up a bouquet of daisies and remember that if looking at it from the glass half empty or the glass half full analogy, our glass is always refillable. There's always things that we can do. And I think that having that sort of mindset and skill set is really, really beneficial for anyone and especially for anyone living with arthritis. Well, that wraps up today's show. I hope that you have found it informative, inspirational, or thought-provoking in some way. To catch the replay of this or any of the previous episodes, simply search for Chronically Driven wherever you listen to your music or podcasts. I will be back in two weeks' time. And until then, I am wishing you wellness.